Awesome. Welcome to another Workshopping Humanity. It's been quite a hiatus since the last one when we had the film Drunk on. And today we have a special setup. So if you guys haven't been following, I've been on a couple of episodes now of the League of Cinephiles and Cinema Wars and Trivia, Film Trivia competition. And so we've kind of done a collaboration for season three of Workshopping Humanity. And we're going to be talking to some of the people that you know from that cast and talking about some of their favorite movies. And I think it's a, it's a cool collaboration because in the Cinewars factions, you see people compete against each other um, all the time. So this is kind of showing who they are outside of the game. And I think that that's a cool opportunity. So uh, there couldn't be a better first guest than the one who made it himself. Alex, the host, Helmer, <laughs> uh, introduce yourself. <laughs> yeah, so I'm obviously not the host of the League of Cinephiles. No, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, so hi, everyone. Um, so yeah, my name is Alex Helmer. I am the creator and the host of the League of Cinephiles. I, um, yeah, I've been running the Instagram account for the channel as well as the channel itself since, uh, I guess, this year. So January, so about seven months now. And so, yeah, I uh, have, I think it's around 30 other people from around the film Instagram community, mostly uh, a lot of people from the YouTube kind of uh, um, film community. And we compete in, like Brett said, stuff like cinema, just movie debating, trivia, uh, yeah, stuff like any kind of a sports league type environment. But yeah, so uh, yeah, I'm really excited to kind of get this uh, collaboration started. Yeah, and true. because, like you said, there's a lot of competition going on when we usually um, meet, you know, other league members. So it's really cool to uh, just talk movies, just talk ourselves, stuff like that. Yeah. Um. Just before we get into that, I, I have I sometimes have a couple questions at the start. What was the inspiration behind the doing this originally in January? What, what, mm -hmm. what sparked the desire for you to start this page? Yeah, great question. So really, it just sparked from just personally, I was just feeling that I had a lack of purpose within just the field of just what I love in general, which is film. So for those who don't know, I, I study film. I'm a film major at Syracuse. But other than that, I had really no outlet in which I could explore my film interests because actually, I don't know if this is a lot of people, other people's experiences who go to film school, but the people I encountered weren't as much of you know film fans as I expected and so I went and expected to you know because I was around people with similar interests as me that means I would you know have a lot more people that I could talk movies with but that really wasn't the case and so um in quarantine I had a film club with a bunch of my friends and then after quarantine it ended and like I mentioned before when school started I really didn't really have an outlet to talk movies so that's how the uh, show started and then it didn't really start as a competition-based thing, but it later evolved into that when I kind of combined my love for movies with my love of sports um, into one channel. It was originally actually called Helmer's Movie Mania Podcast, but I changed it because there are so many other people I love collaborating with, and I wanted to make competition kind of the central theme for the uh, show. So, so yeah. Yeah, it's dope. I, I, I agree with you. I, I just recently graduated from studying mm. film where I'm from, and there definitely is a lack of like love for that field. It definitely seems yeah, like I agree. people go like, 
oh, I like movies. I'll uh, study that. You know, it's not like a hundred percent. I remember um, we had like a basic film course set and like the first movie they showed us was Citizen Kane. And there was people who were like, what is that movie? And I was like, oh, my gosh, what the heck? You know? So, yeah. Yeah, I'm with you for sure. Um, Yeah. So today we're actually going to be talking about the movie Hannah and her sisters, the Woody Allen film. Um, Interestingly enough, most of these episodes, I have seen the movie and have some sort of connection to it beforehand. And this is one of the only ones where I have never seen this movie before um helmer suggested it but it's always been on my list because it was one of my dad's favorite movies oh he uh yeah my dad said that whenever he was in college he had a really big woody allen phase and this was his favorite of the oh movie. my god that's like exactly like when i was in college and i had a woody allen phase. yeah crazy <laughs> so he's told me to watch this movie for years so i finally was like um it was funny whenever i was watching this movie last week i called my dad and i was like hey i'm finally watching Hannah and her sisters for a podcast he's like finally <laughs> and so yeah i was finally able to talk to him about it so um yeah we actually just recently i just saw the green knight with my dad because i told him how great it was and so i took him to see that he's like that was really weird but good <laughs> so yeah <laughs> so yeah that's kind of a, a branching off point for me for what i've known this movie to be but um alex what made this let me rephrase this (laughs) what was why was this the movie that you chose to talk about today what special connection do you have with this movie so that's a great question so i chose this movie because i recently i actually i saw it i think um last year like i said i was going through a woody allen phase when i just swept through his filmography and so i actually have seen this film four times I saw it the first time I loved it. Second time I gave it a full five stars and then the two other times were just for fun. And it's thematically incredibly kind of, it has this connection to me that no other film has able to kind of grasp. It is kind of in terms of relationships, in terms of romance, it is a film that connects to me like no other. Uh, I, I, a lot of people, are able like uh, our age specifically are able to connect to a lot of coming coming of age films you know that come out now whether mm-hmm. it's now or in the 80s with john hughes or you know stand by me for example with rob reiner i connect with stuff like this because i mean a lot of people say that i'm a 70 year old person 70 year old guy in a 19 year old body but i i connect to films like these that kind of explore i guess um not because not really coming of age but kind of dealing with age and dealing with existence and love and just themes that i just go through and i deal with the complexities of yeah totally um yeah i, I watched the movie i think right before i went on a trip so like about two weeks ago when we uh scheduled this and i was i i really enjoyed it mm. i have a hard time with woody allen Mm-hmm. And I have to remove who the man is versus mm-hmm. what his movies say. Um, and because like, that's the reason like I, I vehemently dislike Annie Hall. I, I just, oh, wow. there's something about that movie that really rubs me the wrong way. <coughs> Excuse me. Sorry. I got, um, and so like, I think my favorite movie of his still up to this day is a midnight in Paris. I just think it was a lovely oh, it's a great movie. movie. Yeah. Yeah. And so this movie definitely I I was able to enjoy it despite who Woody Allen is. Um 
And I think that's just because this is definitely one of his movies, but he's dealing with a wide array of characters mm-hmm. that I think no matter what you, you see the the flaws of these characters, but also the humanity in each one. Um, I do have some issues with it. I think mm-hmm. we'll get into later. I have some, especially with its resolution, but overall I was completely entertained the whole time. And, I, I definitely think that Woody Allen was a pioneer of that kind mm-hmm. of quirky dialogue and the naturalistic settings that we kind of see in like a 24 movies or Wes Anderson or something. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. I definitely think he was a pioneer when it came to that and the way how this has multiple stories going on at once and they all kind of tie together towards the end, you know, whenever Woody Allen's character was introduced to this at first, and he had the whole thing about how he couldn't have kids. I remember being like, why, why are we, why? <laughs> and then, you know, when it comes around towards the end, I'm like, yeah, it's kind of clever. It's, it's interesting, you know? Um, so yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm going to ask you, Alex, is what is like a specific scene moment character from this movie that like really stood out to you or really does stand out to you? So there's two for me. One of them is going to be the character of Elliot, played by Michael Caine. Now, for those who don't know, Michael Caine won a supporting actor Oscar for this film. I did not that go- know that going into this film, and I completely fell in love with his performance. I fell in love with his character. This is one of my favorite characters ever put to the screen solely because of how complex the character is, how much the character says about love in general, and how much I connect to the character personally. Um, so for those who have seen, I can talk spoilers, right? Yeah, totally. We're totally okay, cool, cool, cool. <laughs> yeah. okay. So for the, so at the beginning of the film, Elliot is introduced and the way he's introduced, it's straight up. They just dive right in to the character and they dive right in and you see Barbara Hershey's face and you hear his narration and you just see him looking at the character. This just hit me right away, mostly because I'm, a, I'm, ex- I'm an extremely, um, how do you say like I'm an introverted person yeah. and so for me when I a lot of the times most of the time actually when I'm at parties usually and usually there's a girl that I'm attracted to and I want to go over and talk to I'm the type of person who doesn't really want to go over to talk to a girl because I'm like I said very um very I'm that's not who I am I'm a very introverted person and so when I first saw the, the first scene of the film where Michael Caine is just looking at her staring at her and just thinking about what it would be like to be with her is something that I go through all the time. It's something that I deal with and something that I understand as someone who is just afraid of denial or afraid of like rejection. And so the fact that the film starts off with that just hit me right away. Just the narration, just because this like talking to himself, talking to his conscious is such like, I, I just connected to that right away. And then throughout the film, really the character is very i just felt the character was so real um he's like there's one quote he says um sorry it was it's i think it's the first quote that comes up on imdb but it's something like for all my money wealth and knowledge i can't fathom my own heart and so i just think that's one of the most powerful quotes i've ever heard it's something again that i go through a lot of times when i think i have it all think i i'm like my life is going well and then i go through something like love or being attracted to a girl and i realized oh like i'm not i don't have as much as i thought and so that's what this character deals with 
He also deals with the crisis in terms of his marriage, and he doesn't know if he loves his wife or not. And then at the end of the film, he actually realizes that because he didn't understand his own heart, he actually did love his wife the entire time. And I thought that was just an incredible, incredibly powerful part of the film. I found the part of the film where he's he gave Barbara Hershey's character the book, and she's reading it, and that you see the you hear their narration of him getting up. It's like early in the morning. He looks at himself in the mirror. That is just just no word. Like you just hear the narration, and you just see Michael Caine looking at himself, and you see Barbara Hershey's character. It just hit me. And then there's also some a, a minor line in the film that hit me as well. It's like he's thinking about oh I'm he's say, in the narration he's like oh I'm thinking of the character of Lee like I'm I'm thinking of her so much is she thinking about me as well this is something that I personally go through so much when I'm you know when I'm attracted to someone if I'm in a relationship with someone I'm thinking oh I'm thinking about them so much are they thinking about me the same way and so because of stuff like this I just find the character to be incredibly profound incredibly relatable and I um I just it made me fall in love with Michael Caine made in love just it just solidified the um what i think of love in general i just i know that's a lot but um but yeah yeah no no, that's good i uh i can mirror some of your points there i mm-hmm. it's interesting the beginning of the movie i agree where i was like oh michael kane he, he i i i feel you dude i feel you, you know and then mm-hmm. and then once you realize that like he's it, it's this is kind of an affair it's like i yeah I almost feel guilty for understanding where you're coming from you know yeah it's like you're obviously doing something that's wrong exactly uh, at the same time i'm like well you're trying to figure out your heart but also is that excuse i don't really think so you know exactly and yeah. i think infide- infidelity is something that's an incredibly complex subject and it's something that a lot of the movies just demonize right away they demonize the person who is committing like the infidelity and i think it's such a complex subject and the way alan deals with it i think is much more mature than a lot of um how other filmmakers deal with it and it shows how, you know, love is a much more complex thing than just, you know, you know, or cheating on your wife is much more complex than just those three words. Yeah. And I, I get that, words. but I also do have kind of a, um, one of the things I was going to talk about. I think the fact that the movie ends and he kind of gets away with it rubbed me the wrong way, especially knowing who mm-hmm. he is as a person. Um, I do feel like he should have had more repercussions for that because I do understand that he was going through a a personal crisis, but it still doesn't make what he did. Okay. You know what I mean? And I do, I don't feel like the film entirely has a resolution to that issue. I, I think it's more so like, well, I now know that I love my wife. So everything is better. And I'm like, I do feel like the wife should have known more. And I, more of a say, you know what I mean? I see where you're coming from. For me, the way I saw it was more of an objective stance from Alan, where he's not going to show the he's not going to show what he did in a positive or negative light. He's going to show kind of both sides of the issue because it is a complex subject. And we're not the fact that are we supposed to feel bad for him? Are we not? Are there supposed to be reper- repercussions or not? This is stuff that, you know, is is it have. Like it's stuff that people like I I firsthand. Well, I don't know firsthand, but within my family, there's been a lot of situations like this. And a lot of the times it does turn out like this where certain individuals aren't aren't um, aren't like repercussions aren't delivered at the extent that you that that they 
that they deserve. But, you know, that's what happens because, again, this is something that happens a lot and it's an incredibly complex subject. Yeah, and I, I get that to a certain extent, too. Maybe it would have felt too easy and too wrapped mm-hmm. up if it, it entirely ended that way. But yeah. where the movie ended, I just remember being like, oh, well, mm-hmm. huh. you know, like it, it almost felt incomplete in that way to me. But like, I understand mm-hmm. also what he was going like what he was saying, even though I do love the the part of the ending whenever it ends up that she's pregnant because he was the one that's supposed to be with her, you know, even though at first they thought that it was because of his sperm count or whatever. I thought that was oh. cute. That was interesting. Oh, yeah, Mickey. I was going to get to the character of Mickey oh, later. Yeah, but... I kind of went one way to the other. Sorry. About <laughs> I was about to say, I was like, oh, did Lee, like, did Barbara Lee? Hershey's character get pregnant? I'm not sure about no, that. No, sorry. Yeah. no, no, no. I was just talking about the ending itself, and that's what I thought of. I was like, oh, I like that mm-hmm. part. It was just, yeah. Yeah. A train of thought <laughs> just went through yeah. my head at once. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, something actually um, I read on IMDb I thought was really funny and interesting that I wanted to mention was you talked about how Michael Caine won Best Supporting Actor for this movie. So yeah. he didn't actually give a speech. I forget who, who accepted it for him. But that's because he was on set for Jaws the Revenge. I heard about that. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I he said he had a quote about Jaws the Revenge where he was like he said something about it being a bad movie, but it paid for like his whatever. I think it was like his house or something. Yeah. It was like he said, um, he said like I never saw Jaws for assume it sucks. Yeah. But I have seen the I have seen the Yeah, exactly. Body, which is hilarious. Like <laughs> Like, you know what? I, I like the fact he's just transparent about that. Most people yeah. would never say something like that. But mm-hmm. he's like, yeah, you know, it was a job. And, like, I think, like, I do think, I mean, this is a whole other tangent, that some people, like, demonize actors for just taking on a job for the money. And I'm like, why? It's a job. Like, I, <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, so many people get so upset with Adam Sandler because they're like, he's just paying for him and all his friends to have fun. And I'm like, okay, if you had that power, why wouldn't you do that? And if people saw those movies, like, I don't like not saying that I love Adam Sandler movies or anything like that, but like why demonize the guy for having fun? I don't know. Exactly. I I completely agree. As long as he's doing what he wants to do. I mean, if he's having, if this is the way that certain, if an actor wants to, (laughs) obviously if it's, if it's, it's, if it's a pot, if it, results in positive implications but if if this is like the adam sandler example that you brought up if this is something that he wants to do then sure then sure i'm not gonna i'm not gonna speak as positively about his movies that he might want me to but i mean if that's the way he wants to spend his career go ahead if that makes if that makes him happy i'll i'll power to him yeah i don't think we should um ever demonize honest work no matter where it comes from you know Mm -hmm. If, if there's an audience for that and he has fun making them and it's all good, then, like, who cares? I mean, mm-hmm. that is a saying that you can't review the movie and be like, yo, this movie sucked, because obviously, yeah. But, like, it's the idea where people are like, what is Adam Sandler doing? Why would he do this? And it's just like, shut up. You don't know Adam Sandler's mind. I don't know. And I, I just bring that up as an example. It happens a lot, you know? Sure. Yeah. But I, I kind of like the fact that Michael Caine was just <laughs> was just very forward with that. And it's like, yeah, yeah, I bought a house with this movie. Calm down. 
And yeah. I love that he did that right after he was in Hannah and her sisters and won an Oscar. Like that's <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> and yeah, so this movie was like was this one of his like better movies at the Oscars when it comes to that? Because I know Annie Hall won. He never so, won that. This won three Oscars, I believe. It won Best Supporting Actor, Best Supporting Actress for Diane Weist, and Best Original Screenplay. Okay. So I think like second best. Yeah, that's what to say. This is definitely like, it's interesting because you don't hear about it as much as like Annie Hall, Manhattan, some of the other ones. But then whenever you talk to people who are fans, they're like, oh yeah, this is like his best movie. Or one of his for best. sure yeah. for sure like i i actually didn't know this movie existed until i watched it it was never on my watch like like you said it was on your watch list for a long time mm-hmm. when i first saw it i had no idea it existed and for some reason like you're right it um it there's is not a lot of light shed on it um but but yeah mm-hmm. so i guess since i brought it up earlier do you want to talk about woody allen's character Yes, yes. This is yeah. because this is another character that's incredibly close to me. Um, first off, I want to start off with a lot of people, including yourself, because you didn't mention you didn't like Annie Hall, are aren't fond of kind of Alan's style in terms of his acting. Um, and I completely understand that. I've met plenty of people who think that way. I myself, just my personal opinion, I love it. It's something I connect to personally because I consider myself a neurotic person. I've been called neurotic a lot. So I just connect to the character a lot. But oh, I love him in this movie. Okay, okay. In this movie. Yeah, and yeah. so, um, so yeah, um, the character of Mickey in this movie is just one of also like Elliot, like Michael Caine's character, one of my favorite characters in all of cinema. So his ex- ex- existential crisis in this film is connects to me on a deeper level. So mm-hmm. for those who don't know, for so for me, when I was younger, like very young, like this was a long time ago, but I was just incredibly like i i had to actually had to go to a a therapist for it it was a pretty 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 dark period of my life but um i was at because i was just incredibly scared of the concept of death and just the concept like the fact that one day i won't be here one day you know everyone won't be here and so that's something when i was younger i just could i had a really hard time wrapping my head around i remember i would just like i remember i would watch like a tv show or a movie and a character would die and I would have to pause whatever it was and just sit there and think about what is it like when I die? Like what happens when I die? And it was just an incredibly just, it was, it was a period, it was just a period of my life where I just, um, I didn't know really what to do with myself because, because of my, I couldn't grasp on to this, to it. And so fast forward now, am I still afraid of death? Yes, but it's far less of a problem as it was before, but still the character of Mickey because of my past experiences is that much more impactful for me. Um, his kind of his, his search for kind of for, for, for why life is so valuable in the first place. Why are you here? If you might not make as much of an impact, like you might not impact the world as much as you should, stuff like that. And also the search for religion. Now I'm actually agnostic. I don't have religion, but his search for religion in this film, I just found incre- incredibly hysteri- hysterical and meaningful. One of my favorite moments in the film was when he, I think it was when he, he was looking to convert to Buddhism. And he <laughs> asked the guy, he said, so when you die, 
do you like the concepts of reincarnation do you turn into a human or when you die and be reincarnated do you turn into something like a moose (laughs) and that is something that i've thought about millions of times just in my mind the concept of reincarnation of and you know oh if you get reincarnated do you automatically come back as a human because you know i just i had a you know I had a fly that blew into my room the other day and I killed it. So <laughs> does that, when I get reincarnated, yeah. do I come back as yeah. that? And so it's a concept that I go back and forth thinking about all the time. And so it's smaller lines like that, that make the character of Mickey so powerful to me. And also the, again, visual storytelling is incredibly underused in film. The scene, especially in comedy, the scene where he's taking stuff out of a bag and you, he puts the cross down and then he puts Wonder Bread down. I just thought it was hysterical. I thought it was just hilarious. But um, but yeah, you can go ahead. Yeah, yeah. No, certainly. So I do come from a place of religion for sure. Um, mm-hmm. I I'm gonna pin that and save it for a Tree of Life episode. Oh, okay, got it, got yeah. it. I won't be on that episode. <laughs> I'll I'll just tag that real quick. But I do come from a place of religion, which brings up it's a whole other mm-hmm. aspects of anxiety. But um, in this movie. I, I love that search of a spiritual connection because I have certainly felt that throughout mm-hmm. my my life. And I, I am religious, but at the same time, it is definitely like questions emerge and it's almost like, I should I be asking this, you know? And that's yeah. a whole other thing. But the idea that I think he spends the whole movie like, um, what is my purpose and why am I alive is something that I go back to a lot, especially mm-hmm, I just recently sure. graduated college. And I am on this next path of like, well, where do I end up for the rest of my life? And I've always had this crippling fear that I'll end up having to join the rat race or whatever and do something that I don't want to do. And in that regard, his idea of like, I have to figure this out now because he he feels like he had to brush with death, you know, towards the beginning. Yeah. And he's like, I now he has that um scrooge moment you know i think it's interesting the christmas carol you know scrooge has that near-death moment and then he like changes and he has a new perspective he has that same thing and then after that goes but wait a minute now what (laughs) you know and i love that that's what the movie explores and i think the most profound thing about it is he finds the meaning of life while watching is it like duck soup it's definitely duck soup yeah and I love that because it's nothing like this high mighty like experience where he all of a sudden figures out what the meaning of life is. It's like he sits down and he watches a movie and he he hits it. I think for for cinephiles, we can all to that specific moment where you're sitting there and you're like, oh, this is the reason why I'm alive. You know, and it's just like really weird ideas and concepts. I think like uh, uh, (laughs) recently and I keep talking to friends about this on a DM because they they keep thinking that I'm insane for saying this, but um, the Suicide Squad was a really deep movie for me. Oh, okay, (laughs) got it. Not not a sentence I would have ever thought I would have said even a Mm -hmm. year ago, even six months ago. But um, this this part of the end of the movie where they 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 kind of compare rats and they're like, yeah, um, rats are like the spice creature, so they have a purpose. We all do like that specifically hit me and brought me to tears and i was like i did not even understand that the suicide squad the dc movie would do that um Mm -hmm. but like i think in that particular moment it's like he's i love the fact that like he's not seeing like a lawrence of arabia or 
like one of like, this big like spiritual moment it's it's duck soup and he's like oh i get the the meaning of life is to laugh and to have fun and to embrace things you know like i think that's such a good choice on woody allen's part mm-hmm. yeah no for sure and yeah I, I i completely agree i'm trying to remember but also and also what i love about the character is that so like i, I guess we didn't mention this but he is is it he's sterile right or he he just he can't have kids in general and so usually just contextually woody allen is an an incredibly cynical person and filmmaker so a lot of his films when it comes to stuff like this he won't have a happy ending like i like well kind of bittersweet endings as well like annie hall purple rose of cairo stuff like this and so this film really hit me because contextually because you're expecting another woody allen cynical ending it really just pounds hard at, at the end when he's able to have kids and Diane Weiss character is pregnant. The fact that another thing that's brought to the table is that the heart is the most resilient muscle in the body. Just It might be a bit cheesy for some, but for me, it was just incredibly profound and it hit me. And just again, it, it really capped off this movie in a way that I, 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 I kind of didn't expect because, because again, a lot of Woody Allen's movies don't end this way. And so in the character's journey, I thought was just all across the board. Amazing. Like we didn't like his second kind of come to Jesus moment yeah. where he almost shot himself. And it was just like a moment like that is just like such a, I guess such a we. It, it was just, it felt so real to me, even though the moment was so bizarre, I guess the way it was told with the narration and because it, it was just, I don't something about it. Just, just really hit me. Well, it's really interesting because it's like, unfortunately for people who like shoot themselves in the head, normally yeah. you don't you don't get an afterthought after that, right? You don't. Yeah. Get a, it's it's over. And so I, I thought it was interesting contextually that if it doesn't go off, to be like, what? Like, why am I here now? You know what I mean? Yeah. But then after that, it's like a new. I I don't. Like I think I think it's interesting. I thought that moment was really interesting because I never thought about that. Because I was like, yeah, if if you commit suicide in that way, um, it's mm-hmm. it's finalized. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I know some people can survive suicide attempts if it's like overdose or something like that. But like, usually a gunshot to the head, it's it's over. And so that idea of like, it didn't work. So now what are you gonna do? Is really fascinating for a film concept, honestly. Um and so yeah i genuinely we talked at the beginning i'm not I'm not a huge um woody allen fan just like in regards to him as a human being and I, we I, that's not something we can get into in this episode mm-hmm. so i know that's a whole other discussion yeah but i i personally believe he's guilty and i know that's a controversial thing so we that's not what we have to get into but i always have to put that aside um you know i can separate an artist from the art but i think it's just harder for me with hanny all because he's just so in it his personality so in it beautiful thing but in this movie i i always feel he's more of his character um in the film which i know sounds weird because he's definitely acting like sporadic woody allen but there's something about it i i connect to more and i think it's because maybe he is a more vulnerable character than he is in annie hall you know like annie, yeah I, it's like a sleaze bag you know kind of. but in this movie he's definitely like someone 
searching again for the meaning of why he's even alive in the first place, which I, I think is a more compelling character. And I think Woody Allen sells it. Like it's person it's personally my favorite character of the whole mm-hmm. movie. Yeah, for sure. And then I also just um his relationship to Diane Weiss character at the begin or at, throughout the film, because at the beginning when they show kind of where they were, you know, in their the first part of their relationship, you don't even think twice about them getting back together. And just that uh, that scene in general just was awesome when he, I think he said he was like, um, he said something about the Nuremberg trials, like that. He said, I, I was having such a good time. It reminded me of the Nuremberg trials, something like that. Yeah. And um, just you know, in general, like when he went to the rock concert and he was just like, he was like saying, Oh, like I'm, I think they're going to start taking hostages. <laughs> I just related to that so much just as personally someone who doesn't like those kind of loud, big, big gatherings like that. And, uh, and then, like we mentioned, when he gets a second chance at life, they actually, because of how far they've both come and because how life has changed for both of them, they actually realize that they're a lot more alike and they're a lot more kind of, they have a much better connection that they than they originally thought. And the fact that they got together at the end just shows the randomness of life and how, um, yeah, just how human beings are just really complicated and they can evolve so easily. Yeah, it was really interesting. You know the scene where um, she takes him to that like really like noisy band. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. What is this? I was like, how am I simultaneously both of these people at the same time? Yeah. <laughs> like, and, and then she starts like snorting cocaine as well. And yeah, yeah, because like I was like, this is exactly a concert I would take someone to, and this is also me being like, why aren't we listening to? Class? Like, I would be both of these people at the exact same time. <laughs> I don't know what that says about me, but mm-hmm. I that whole scene, I was just like, what the heck? <laughs> yeah. I, I relate to both, which is interesting. Um. Yeah, for sure. And then also, just a quick shout out. There are so many characters in this film. It's one of my favorite ensembles ever. Um, Max von Sydow was a character that, I mean, just as, as cinephiles, mm-hmm. I feel like we've encountered people like this. Mm-hmm. Um, just people in general who think a certain way about humanity and they have a cynical perception of art and humanity at the same time. And when he... wars, am I right? No, I'm just kidding. Yes, yeah. correct. Yeah, no. And then his <laughs> his interaction with Daniel Stern again. Going, it, I felt like that was kind of Woody Allen, kind of with slight commentary on art and film in general, mm-hmm. because Daniel Stern's character just wants the painting for to blend in with his like living room or something in his ottoman while max von Sydow is a lot it's thinking a lot more about the painting and it's a lot thinks a lot more of it and the introspection of it and i feel like that was woody allen trying to make a commentary on just cinema in general and the commercialization of of film and that just demonstrates just in general how thematically varied this film is but just moments like that in characters so small is like daniel stern made like such a profound impact Mm-hmm. and i just also like i love the way this movie's told i i love the mm. different storylines and how they come together and again like i love that they don't like it's, i think a weaker movie would have tried to explain it to you more um like mm-hmm. when it's like a title card that'd been like here's this character and this time of day and this yada 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 like i kind of love the fact scenes just start and you're watching characters and you're just like huh i wonder who this yeah. is but then For I sure. think at least they come together towards the end is like so satisfying. 
Like, it sure. worked so well, you know? <clears throat> like, I kept, they kept going back to Woody Allen, and I was just like, like, I love this guy. This guy's my favorite character in the movie, but what the heck? Why is he so in this movie? Yeah. <laughs> it pays off in a really satisfying way at the very end, which was... Yeah. Like, again, I still think that storyline pays off a little bit more than Michael Caine's storyline, which is mm-hmm. the main one in the movie. So I just, oh, I thought that was interesting, because that's not what I was expecting going in. Yeah, and then also just kind of going on a different route, the music in this film was absolutely just phenomenal in my yeah. eyes. Yeah. Um, he put a lot of Harry James in there. I love Harry James. The um, I think it was Vivaldi was played. Might have to fact check me on that one, but I believe Vivaldi was played as well. Woody Allen, I just think he has a great taste in music in general. I love the music he plays in all of his movies, but in this film particularly, I thought it was extremely fitting, whether it's the scene where they're um, looking at the buildings throughout New York City yeah. and you have that kind of like orchestral type like really over the top music or you have just kind of like um like real like kind of calmer and more romantic music that's playing whenever Michael Caine's character is walking around like it's all very atmospheric and very not old timey but I don't know how to describe I don't know how to describe it yeah. maybe you can do a better job of it doing it like really good coffee shop music yeah it's like nice barnes and noble aesthetic you know which i'm totally into that's that's like that's it you know i i loved Uh it too i thought it was great and and then also something i admire about woody allen as a filmmaker because personally he's my favorite screenwriter of all time and uh, i don't think he gets his due as a filmmaker and in this film what i appreciate the most is that not one single scene is shot and shot reverse shot i think shot reverse shot is something that's just overly used in film today it's something that filmmakers go back to and it's just like the default method for shooting movies nowadays and i'm more someone i'm an amateur filmmaker but some like i prefer when i'm making like small small movies and when like when i see movies in general that's a lot of that's why i go back to classic movies most of the time is because i prefer longer shots and more atmospheric shots you know staging and just actors acting their asses off without having to cut to something else and so just the fact that the camera's always moving around and it's always with a diff- it's with characters throughout the scene and it never really, you know, changes to a different, like it, the, the camera never um, moves to a different like place in the scene. Just, which is just awesome to me. I thought it was, it was just incredibly, um, I, I just, I just love the style. Yeah, totally. I I 100% agree with that. It almost makes it feel more like a play at times, for sure. Mm-hmm. I think it's an easily adaptable like Broadway play. Um, yeah, I didn't even notice there was no shot reverse shot, but like, yeah, that's that's super cool. Actually, I love that. Too. Yeah, and um, then you had that one scene where all the, the the three sisters are having a conversation. The first conversation all three of them have had, and he like circles like the camera circles around them. And that it was just kind of a special way of capturing that moment where like the three title characters are speaking for the first time. I thought it was just a really great way of capturing that for the first time. Mm-hmm. Well, I do think that like, oh, I mean, very different films because like some of my favorite movies, like from directors like, you know, Spike Jones or Wes Anderson or whatever, they use a mm. lot of flash dazzle. Yeah, you know, for sure. And it, tol- and it totally works. But also then you can have a movie like, can and her sisters or even i mean last year's the father or uh yeah i would say you know like my dinner with andre is like the perfect example of like it's just two dudes sitting at dinner talking my dinner with well in terms of the filmmaking style yeah it's cool like but like i love no i love it but just in terms of i just i just 
for me, I wouldn't use that as an example personally, just because the concept of that film condones shot reverse shot more than any other film I've seen. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm not. I'm not talking about the. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm talking about. Oh, okay. Um, sorry, maybe I should have referenced that a little bit. I'm talking about like I think the fact that Hannah and her sister is like, it it, it isn't like flashy in presentation, like. Mm-hmm. You know, it could have been, and that's what I'm trying to say. Is yeah, I'm yeah, sorry, yeah. I, I, I muddled that up. I think, no, no, yeah, I wasn't trying to say because, yeah, totally. Um, I did with Andre is all shot reverse shot, but that's why it's interesting. It's not just like, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it's oh, an I actual choice. It's an actual choice. It's not mm-hmm. a um handicap because they can't think of anything else. Yeah. You, you know? should choose that movie for a future episode. I was actually oh, yeah. close to picking it for this one. Oh, really? No, I love there's that. a lot to think about with that movie. I would have to go yeah. into a much deeper analysis. Yeah, I would have to like rewatch it because it's been a few years. But I remember being like, "This movie's crazy." Like, <laughs> it's weird because it's two two dudes talking at dinner, but it's just like, "What the heck? Why am I no. feeling so much?" Oh my god, I yeah. just yeah. and it's 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 definitely like I can understand why people would hate it, but for me, just I just I just fell in love with it, yeah. and uh, I just I love one location movies and. Totally. Yeah, I, I almost feel like in one of the league members will pick 12 Angry Men. Oh, I love oh, to get gosh. into too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, but I mean, I know it is like the typical one shot movie, but it's just like it's also a masterpiece. So, like, of course, of course. we talk about it, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. But yeah, back to Hannah <laughs> and her sister. <laughs> so, We're on a bit of a tangent. Yeah. Oh, I mean, to be fair, this has been probably one of the more focused episodes. The one, oh, nice. Oh, yeah. The one that, like, I had a film drunk. We talked about Minari, you know? And, like, we did talk about Minari, but, like, we went off on, like, 20, 30-minute tangents about, like, life or whatever. We'd be like, oh, yeah, let's get back to talking about Minari. <laughs> Goodness. But, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I um, was genuinely, like, really impressed with this movie. I don't... Mm-hmm. I don't have the same connection that you do to it, but like mm-hmm. obviously, most movies you watch for the first time, you know, <laughs> for yeah. you're not gonna have the same connection to the first time. But mm-hmm. I, uh, I like the whole time watching it. I was like, I went into it thinking, I want to try to figure out why Alex chose this one. You know, yeah. I thought that was the interesting approach, and what you've kind of elaborated on is what I was trying, like what I thought I was like, I feel like he's going to be able to understand and relate to these characters, even if he's not the same age, but also it's just feeling of not only just isolation, but a feeling of not being able to quite express yourself in an environment, which is something that I think I immediately um, resonated with it as well. Mm -hmm. And so I think it, I think it's an interesting choice because whenever you, I gave you the option, it wasn't what I was expecting you to choose. You know, mm-hmm. like it totally wasn't. Whenever you're like handing, I was like, oh okay, oh okay, interesting. I, I guess like with a lot of the of the members, I was, I was expecting them to choose. Uh, I guess a more Cinema Wars answer, if that makes sense. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And yeah, so it was. I thought oh, this is intriguing. And it made me kind of excited to think about who will choose what, you know? Yeah, I, I wanted... An idea. Yeah, for sure. And so, yeah, just the reason I picked this, I guess we want, is because because thematically, I just find it so just so fun to talk about because it's one of those films where 
as you talk about it, you might, you know, find something out about the film that you didn't know before you didn't realize. And just the film in general, films like this, films like Magnolia, for example, that's what's the word for it where you just have it's not the an- anthology. Film. Well, I guess this film's like half anthology, but the characters I, I are actually related. Yeah, I do. I, you could almost call Magnolia anthology. It's not. Yeah, like, there's so much like so many. I, what, do, what do you call a film like this with multiple storylines? Is there a word for it? Goodness, if you were going to call it us, let's think. Uh, let's see. I, I don't know. I feel like this one's a little more contained than Magnolia, though. Magnolia is large. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Some of those things are only connected because of frogs, like literally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like um, I'll end up talking about that one if we have Hunter on. <laughs> so Magnolia. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's his favorite movie, right? Yeah, and I think it's a, I think it's his favorite. I, or at least it's up there. Mm-hmm. I I think it's a great movie too. The frogs thing, I had a hard time wrapping around. <laughs> I actually don't like the frogs thing. That's something where I'm like, okay, well, the film kind of lost me there, but yeah. you know, it's an interesting concept. Yeah, I saw it once and I liked it, but I wasn't quite sure what to make of all of it. Yeah, I thought it's. Yeah. I think it's very good. It's one of those films I need to rewatch, though. Mm-hmm. Um, and like a lot of movies with multiple storylines, I loved a lot of the storylines. Some of them I weren't wasn't so big on, and there were moments where I'm like, okay, I would just want to see Tom Cruise again. I want to see Jason Robards. Yeah. I want to see John C. Riley. Yeah, my I, favorite part was John C. Riley for sure. I, I yeah. remember that distinctly being like, that's my favorite plot line, and my yeah. favorite character. The rest of them I could, like, were fine, but I liked that one a lot. <laughs> and, and also the one with um. Was it William H Macy? I think, or Dylan Baker Hall? They look like really similar, so I'm gonna go William H Macy. But yeah, maybe it's Dylan Baker Hall. I don't know. The one with the quit the um the whiz kid, the whiz yeah the whiz kid was um it was because I was I I I've actually been on a quiz show before. Oh, and, well my 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 experience is much different than the one in Magnolia, <laughs> but nonetheless I thought it was really cool. Oh, that's cool. Did that inspire uh, Cinewars? In any way, being on a quiz show when you were younger, or oh, it was actually it was out a couple years ago. But um, oh n- no, I I just I I've been my fan. My dad did professional trivia when he was a kid, and my granddad is like incredible. Like he's a, he was a he's he was a professor at Harvard. He went. He's the smartest person I know. He's 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 and he's actually famous as well. And so my dad, he went that went over to my dad. I tried to carry the torch, albeit, you know, I will. I don't think I've been as, as successful just with my trivia career with, on the show. And also just when I was in school, I just I competed in trivia a lot. But it was something that it was something that runs through my family. Like we we my brother loves trivia. My dad loves trivia. Like I mentioned, mm-hmm. we compete in trivia just as a family so much. And so I get, yeah, I mean, I don't know. This doesn't have to do with Anna and her sisters, but it's fun to talk about. Oh, yeah, totally. Like. <laughs> I kind of want to go on the side tangent first. No, for sure. I love it. This is fascinating. Okay. So, because I do feel like this, because this is what happens in several episodes. Like, we end up going into a tangent that ends up revealing even more. (laughs) And it somehow comes from the movie. And Mm -hmm. so, when it comes to this trivia thing, I do feel like this correlates with what you're doing now. I think that's interesting. I really do. I feel like 
if this has been something that's been around in your family for so long, it's something that you want to continue. Yeah. You have this passion for movies. And so you're like, well, let's bring the two together. And then you said that you, you enjoy sports, right? Yeah. Yeah. I was actually going to get to that because yeah. high school is over for me. And in college, I don't compete obviously in any sport, like, like within obviously like, I guess like clubs and, um, and so, so, and in high school, I did a ton of sports. I did, you know, tennis, squash, soccer. And so I, I just, I loved, com- I loved competing. I love getting out there and just, uh, just trying my best, trying to compete with others. And so now that I'm in college and I only have glimpses of moments where I'm able to compete, you know, I don't know, like a pickup basketball game or something. I don't have those moments where I did like in, like in high school, in junior, when I was, I was on the varsity soccer team in junior year. And it was 5 a.m. practice every morning, like every weekday. Right. Did it make me tired? Yes. Did it suck to wake up? Yes. But at the same time, when I look back on it, it was one of the best moments, like one of the best stretches of my life because of the connections that I made with people, just the team environment that we had. I just, I, I, I don't, I don't actually don't have, I don't, I don't have an existing relationship with a lot of the guys on that team, but it was just one of those, it was, it's like, it was the strength of just like a, a team like a team environment of what that can do to someone and that was one of the best stretches in my life and so i guess the league has kind of carried the torch for me in that way where i'm competing it's not like a team necessarily because we're well sometimes it's a team yeah sometimes we're came but like it's 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 where like i'm i'm like yeah i want to win at the same time the fact that i'm able to make new friends and able to talk to all of you about movies and just laugh with each other and have fun with each other is I guess it's cheesy, but that's like the real reason I do it. Yeah, for sure. That's interesting because I'm going to tell you, I'm the absolute opposite when it came to sports as a kid. I could have cared less about it. And it was, <laughs> it was like, I remember being in eighth grade and I was in PE class and we were playing touch football. And I walked over to the side of the field and I started picking dandelions. And <laughs> the PE coach went up to me. He's like, why aren't you playing right now? And I was like, I, I just really don't care. <laughs> and he was like, but don't you want to win? And I was like, what reason? Mm-hmm. What would be the point? He's like bragging rights, and I'm like, I really don't care about the people like my classmates. I could kill. <laughs> I mean, you know, like that was the yeah. my mind was around. But when I went to high school, I did like theater stuff, and it made friends there. Yeah, we know we'd pull, we'd play shows and stuff. So oh, I guess sure. uh interesting thing with the league is because, like, I was in theater sixth grade to twelfth grade, and then whenever I went wow. to college, I pursued film instead of theater because that's. I was more so a person who wanted to be behind the scenes and figure things out, which I figured out in through theater. But, you know, I kind of miss like performing and being goofy. I never was dramatic. I was always goofy mm-hmm. on stage. And so I think like a fun aspect for the league for me, it's not necessarily that I'm competitive, but I like to like keep people on their toes. And I like to like get really like defensive or like attack because I think it's funny, if that makes sense. <laughs> Yeah, well, it could be like you know, like the last one that we just recently did. We argued that Saving Private Ryan was like overrated, a movie that I love. But man, did I defend that to my dying breath, anyway. <laughs> and I think, like, I think that's what's the interesting thing is like, you know, we talked about how good The Green Knight was, and Tristan hates that movie. But I was like, I'm really passionate about this. Please. I know he hated that. I know he hates the movie too. So I'm like. Oh, how is he going to defend this movie? What's going to be the defense here? 
but I think that's an interesting component of the show. It's like having to like, I mean, having to use the rules of improv, you know, being like, well, mm-hmm. we have to defend this now. We have to fight for this now. And it can't just always be what your opinion is. So, but like, so I just find your point of view extremely kind of very unique. Um, so just, just, just a question when, when you're talking about stuff like that, because you were a theater major, do you feel like your acting experience has played a role in kind of how you how uh, you perform in cinemas and stuff major. like that? I, I wasn't a theater major. I just we did theater in high school. Okay, sorry, sorry, not theater. But yeah, no, your theater good. experience in high school. Theater sorry. experience. I think it just is, it like leads to me being able to think on my toes and then um, come back at people. If that makes sense. Because it's something that I did a lot in theater was like you'd have to consistently keep up with people and keep up with the wit sure. of people and stuff. And so it's like even like if the argument I have is like fine, like I'll still always end up landing a quip against the other team. You know what I mean? Or like I, I always like also like try to remember things that people said so that I can bring it back later. Kind of what happened with Onyola at the end. <laughs> You know, like whenever he got me eliminated, like I, I kept all of that in my head. So whenever I could eliminate him out, I could bring it all back. You know, that's just like stuff that I've learned. Callbacks. Yeah. I love <laughs> yeah, a good callback. Yeah. <laughs> and for that's very interesting for me when I when I when I created Cinemores, when I debate in Cinemores, the most because I was not actually on. I wish I did debate in high school, but I didn't actually do it. A lot of the experience I have is actually personally just. Like I said, my family's extremely competitive. Not like I mentioned trivia, but we were just in like a very competitive family. And so my brother and I—I I don't mention my brother. I don't think I ever have on the uh, on the show, but one day maybe he'll show up because he's a genuinely great person. But he and he's my best friend. But um, we argue all the time, all the time. I mean, from stuff to like the NFL to i don't know to the fact that he didn't love the morning show as much as i did so (laughs) and we argue so 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 much and it's because a lot of the times it ends in me closing my door to my room and other times it results in you know okay you believe differently than i do let's play a game of pickup basketball see who wins and see you know who won this argument and so we and and so when it comes to cinema wars a lot of it is inspired by that and a lot of times when i get quote unquote heated it's just me acting out of out of out of passion and out of kind of this this lifelong experience with kind of debating and getting louder and louder because that to me is just fun i don't know if that makes sense yeah no that totally makes sense i think that's uh that's super interesting, actually. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> um, just to see the inceptions of these ideas, you know. I uh, if you go back, there's an episode we did of the show, um, and it was for Ratatouille, which I think mm. most viewers know is is my number one with a bullet. Mm. Has been, will be, probably for the rest of my life. And uh, I actually had George Arrett host the episode, so he could interview me about it. And it just pretty much ends up being an episode about me talking about why I made toy box and everything, you know? And it's this idea of like, uh, it's this idea of number one, I made this page where I was able to talk about movies and stuff. And then I became bored with just talking about 
why like the specifics of a movie and I wanted to more so talk about its place within a culture and I thought that was the more interesting angle mm-hmm. to it which is definitely what Workshopping Humanity was inspired by was like I see so many shows where people are like what's new at the box office and what are what are these movies and why are they good as shot composition or whatever you know and like and like that's fine like like those shows are great for their own particular reasons but I wanted to make a show that was like but why does this movie matter like mm-hmm. it could be technically good but why does it matter you know uh-huh and yeah. yeah and I just also just in general personal connections to movies I I just find that an incredibly fascinating and awesome part of your show because yeah. like connecting this back to cinemas for a sec some of my favorite arguments are when people connect a certain argument to personal experiences they have because that reveals more about the person and reveals more about why they chose a certain answer. And so I just find per- personal connections to movies and we're talking about it right now. Um, and I just find just personal connections to movies and as well as why we created our respective pages. Very, very awesome. Very awesome to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I- I think the whole idea behind toy box was like, I want to make a server where if somebody wanted to post their film or post an article or do something like that, they would have a free, a free outlet to do that. And they could express whatever they wanted to express because I saw like, I guess I saw the repercussions of something like that with like channel. Awesome. You know, and how, it ended up being so micromanaged, you know? And I was like, I, I don't want that. I want there just to be like a place where people would be like, I can post this really weird animation I made, or I can, you know, make, make a 20 minute film with puppets in it or, uh, <laughs> uh-huh. and like be able to like post that somewhere and for it to find an audience. And I think what's so interesting about the league of, of cinephiles is that, it takes a whole bunch of different pages from the Instagram community. And it pretty much kind of does that, but in a different way, it's like for everyone, they have all their diverse opinions and backgrounds Mm -hmm. and voices. And it's a place for them to actually like talk and harness what they believe in more so than just reviewing something. It's like, Mm -hmm okay, now that you've reviewed this thing, now you've got to fight for the life about why you believe this way. Mm-hmm. And I think that it shows different volumes to pages that you wouldn't expect to have. Exactly. I, I completely agree. That's what I wanted to do when I first started it is kind of put a face to the account um, and kind of learn more about these individuals. I'm newer to the community, but for individuals who've been in the community longer to learn more about the people they've been interacting with in comments for so long, but I haven't actually seen the faces of now. Um, something I just wanted to ask you real quickly is, I guess is going back on another tangent is when you run toy box, I know you recently, some stuff happened with you and your art pig reviews count. Do you, tr- now that that account, I guess is permanently gone. Do you try to run your toy box page in a different kind of way than you dealt with your last page? Uh yeah, so the art pig reviews page, rest in peace. Um, <laughs> for some reason, um, Instagram just thinks it's a spam account and will not give it back to me. I have no idea. It's very weird. 
But yeah, my um, RP reviews page, which I think I made in like 2014, it's been around for a long wow. time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it's been around for a long time. Um, it pretty much became a place for me just to post whatever I wanted to post. And so I I was trying to do, before it got shut down, a rebranding of it because it didn't feel like it was art pick review. So you'd be like, hey, here's a vinyl I bought and I'm playing it for a, for a shout out of the day for music that I like. And here's me shouting out my, my next film or whatever. And it was just the place I had the most following at. So I just post everything there. And so I think with that out of the way, Toy Box is definitely like my... I'm trying to create it aesthetically to look like it's like a publication, you know, like mm-hmm. here's articles, here's review, here's video, here's where you can go out to it. And that's, that's still like within the next week when this comes out, there's going to be some announcements about how it's being run, but it's, it's all up in development. Again, I don't have my mic on right now because I'm literally retooling my room to be more of a, a studio. So it's not plugged up right now, but um, regardless, um, but then you follow me on my personal and it's more so like not only is it for like people who like I'm friends with the school and stuff. They don't want to just see me ramble about movies, but like you can see mm-hmm. more so the side of like, oh, here's vinyls. I collect here's things that I sketched or whatever, you know, and that's my yeah. personal. And then on the toy box, it's like, yeah, again, it's showing off more so what the page is about. And, mm-hmm. well, you know, it's. I'll always have film projects in development. So that's where I can put that at. And then that's where I can put reviews at and editorials at. I'm working on some more video editorial stuff, you know, and I'll post that there and all, all that fun stuff, you know, so yeah. the future of it, it's, it's a process. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. I've, I've been working on this video for so long. I don't even know. It's a passion project, but for me, I guess this is also kind of random. I'm sorry. Sorry about this, but it's anyways, um, I was creating a because for some when one of my favorite just concepts in movies. I did a project on this in college last semester was um, movies, scenes and movies with music and how both, I guess, the most dominant art forms in the world come together to create such powerful moments. And I actually like I'm creating. Oh, I, I, I'm not creating at the moment. I started a long time ago and I'll finish eventually just a compilation of my favorite movie music moments in, in, in film. And I've been creating it just as a passion project for me. One day it'll release. I'm still working. It's taking long because it's kind of like a mashup of so many different movies and so many different moments, but it's one of those things where I'm like, okay, this is like not related to any league of cinephiles content. This is just something that I was like, Hey, you know, I want to create a video just for myself and just so people can see you know what like some of my favorite like movie moments are so it's that was just random but it's just like one of those things where i don't know like it's sometimes i just want want to go be out of the box and do something that's not like so because league of cinephiles the content that we do is so like scheduled and it's so like yeah okay be fair this has to be because people like people care about the points that they get and the rankings, stuff like that. Sometimes, sometimes I just want to say, like, "Hey, I don't give a shit. I want to do something that's like totally yeah. relevant." <laughs> sometimes, sometimes they care too much, right? <laughs> sure. Yeah. yeah, it's uh, yeah. I actually, that's like, I, I really do commend you on how much of a schedule you've kept up with that because it's like mm-hmm. it's like fascinating to me. 
Because, like, if you could tell already, I'm, like, terrible at scheduling things. It's just, like, the worst. But it, <laughs> no, and, yeah. and it's probably because, like, I, I'm practically working full-time hours right now. Uh-huh. So there's always that in the way, too. But, like, goodness gracious, trying to set things up is so difficult. Oh, dude. The fact that you I mean, do it just, like, consistently and is I, impressive. I don't know what it is because it is extremely stressful. Those who yeah. don't know, like, any league members who are watching this, it is extremely stressful, like just scheduling stuff and dealing with the constant, because there are a lot of complaints. Like there's a lot of shit that goes down behind the scenes that is incredibly like anxiety inducing for me to deal with. And a lot of the times I just want to escape it. And and the, the good does outweigh the bad by quite a bit, but a lot of the times it's just quite stressful. And sometimes I just want to get away from it all. Like, for example, like, again, I'm fairly new to the community before I created this account. I never got Instagram DMs ever because like I said, I'm introspective. I keep to myself to a lot, like a lot, but now it's constant communication, constant talking to people, which is great. But a lot of times I'll hear my phone buzz and I'll look down and I see a big paragraph from someone. I'm like, Oh shit. Like what the, what the fuck do I, what, what have I done this time? Oh, and you're it's like constantly I'm just, getting notifications yeah. as well. I understand that a hundred percent. I was like, what is happening? <laughs> And no, I understand. And it's something that I've, I, 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 like, I'm, that's, that's the business I'm in. That's what I signed on to when I had a group like this and that when I'm, what I'm trying to create here. So, you know, it, it, the, when I created this, I didn't know when I started it that it would come at this type of price, but it's, it's, I have to deal with it because at the end of the day, I do enjoy making this type of content and working with so many people, but sometimes it's just, the stress is just it's, it's a it's lot funny. it's a lot it's it has a lot to do with like time zones like i know yesterday i completely no. was just like oh yeah we're starting at like seven and then you guys were messing yeah. at six and i was like shoot i'm eating right now and, and <laughs> you can like we have people from israel like yeah. seven hours ahead we could have had people from australia but i i had to like deny like two or three people because time zones were such an issue um, and time zones are an issue, but just in general, it's just people, you know. Oh people yeah, just in general. One of the toy, and, bo- one of the toy box like editors and writers is from Australia, and they're just not as active because of that reason. But like they'll occasionally get something out. Yeah, but, yeah it's just it's harder. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's just dealing with people and scheduling is like hard, but that's not something where someone is gonna be mad at me. Nobody's gonna yeah. be mad at me for like scheduling, and it. it's not gonna be like at the time they want. I mean, okay, for real, that, don't get mad at Alex because of the League of Cinephiles. Like, it's fun. Like, calm down. Like, yeah, like, if you're, <laughs> please, like, no, but people legitimately, like, do get mad at me because of, because it's it's a competitive thing. So people do get mad. Um, it's, 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 it's something that I deal with, something that I hate dealing with. Um, but it's, it's, it's the reality of things. And I kind of have to try to keep things fair, keep things fun. But there's always going to be someone out there who um, who isn't going to... Yeah. Who'd... Well, we've obviously had people who don't play by the rules. That's an entire different issue. But people who don't feel as if the rules don't don't apply to them or the f- rules aren't catered to them. That's when I'm just... I just feel like enraged and just too... Yeah. yeah. Well, and it's, it's interesting because ultimately, like, even if that's the case, which, like, just to be real, there is on occasion where I'm like, I think like I have an answer for this, 
but I wanted to pick a different one just because I feel like it would cater more to the audience that's being portrayed, you know? Like, there's been a few times in the past where I've taken, like, my actual opinion on something, and I've been like, oh, I'm eliminated pretty fast because it's not the popular opinion. And I do think that's, like, yeah, I do think that's a particular issue. So have you... That would never be enough for me to be upset. That's like a, oh, okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. (laughs) That's something where I've actually, like, because I've done some reviews on the account just for fun. Yeah. But I've never experienced that type of, that type of backlash of like a, I know it happens all the time because I hear about it of like the backlash from you know popular movie opinion stuff like that but I don't know like what your experience is with that oh yeah well it's just like it's just, I think occasionally that that that's just a thing that like I got I, at least I've seen watching episodes and I've experienced like myself just like a little bit like this whenever it's counterpoints but the thing is it's, it's not you it's literally other people on the cast that are like well I like this movie more, so I'm going to go with this, you know? And it's just like, you can't change someone's mind. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? You can't change the way that they think. So I think, like, if you want to, like, be in the... If we go deep into the league, I think if you want to compete well in the league, it, it is good to know, oh, figure out who you're competing against and what their ailments are, but also, like, what you could cater to them to. I just think that's just a strategic game part of the game. It's not, sure. uh, it's unfair, you know, like, mm-hmm. how is it unfair? Like, for instance, if there was like a question that was like, what movie, like, for instance, yesterday, what movie um, you think should be in the AFI top 100? If I was to go, man, I really think it should be where the wild things are. I'm not winning that argument. That's probably my answer, but I'm not winning that argument. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, yeah, even, even if I had the better and like who's to judge what's better or worse but let's just say for instance even if i had the better argument obviously the dark knight people will be like well yeah i agree the dark knight probably deserves to be on it more than where the wild things are you know what i mean that's Mm -hmm. that's the thing and i think that's the thing that like some people get like caught up in but it's also like but you you can't change people's opinions that's just for sure no matter what like that's not a that's not your fault and that's not anyone else's fault. It's just a part of it. You're completely, completely right. And it's also something where the most important part of it is just not taking anything personally. Like yeah, of course. no one's out to like, really like say, okay, you know nothing about movies. Your opinion's stupid. You're wrong. We're right. Nobody's trying to do that. Um, or at least if they tried, I don't, I don't want that. I don't want yeah. that shit. Yeah. And so I mean, nobody's trying to do that. And sometimes it might feel that way. But I promise it's never like that. And some people have told me that they feel that way. And for me, it's just like, no, no, not really. It might get a bit heated sometimes or fake heated. But like overall, yeah. I just feel like at least I, I'm speaking for myself and for people I've at least witnessed. We just like talking movies and competing with each because competing with each other is fun and it's never meant to you know, personally get to anyone because overall at the end of the day, we're all movie fans. We're all people that like movies. Um, and we all have different tastes. It's not something where like, I'm trying to, I'm not, I, I'm trying to condemn you for, for your taste. Yeah. Even like, uh, that, um, last part of seas of season one, whenever I did that th- takedown against on YOLO and stuff, it's like, I've literally been on, on YOLO's podcast and DM'd him before about like movies. For sure. 
like the chillest dude ever. I just think it's funny yeah. to roast him because he's the winner. You know what I mean? Like that's mm-hmm. the whole thing. Like I, I definitely play a character of myself on the show that I think is funny. And I think most people understand that. Like it's not even yeah. like, because I think, you know, of course I'm sure you get, um, compared to the the schmo down a lot yeah like they literally create characters for that specific yeah. reason yeah i know? love the schmo yeah yeah and which is that that's clever i think i think that is clever because it's the idea of like let's separate like the person from the character they're playing on the on the for map. sure and like even in the schmo down there's been something recently because i keep up with schmo down religiously there's yeah. even been something recently where this guy named sean drew like f- because his character is a heel he went after some people on 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 Facebook and it wasn't even like a big thing or anything, but anyways, and it became a whole big thing about what his words becoming too real and the fact that some people are don't want to take part in these fake story like fake beef storylines. And like we had like our own fake beef storyline. Yeah. And so like and other people aren't gonna want to do that. And so it's all about kind of like, I guess who's who's into it who's not i can't force anybody to do something like that but sometimes people are in on it so like yeah well i mean and that's like the entire point of the workshop of humanity thing is to be like hey we're also other people than the people who compete on this thing i thought that was like the interesting angle because whenever i started workshopping humanity it was me talking to toy box people and then other people i've met through the community you know about mm-hmm a specific movie that meant a lot to them. And then after that, it's just spun into talking about their lives and how that connected to that, you know, or mm-hmm. something else they were passionate about. It's sure. so gave them more depth. And I remember like trying to think about what to do for season three and how to keep consistent guests. And I was like, well, the league of cinephiles, those are all mm-hmm. people who only are shown on the page to be competitive and to be sure, after I each other. Well, every time that like we do a show afterwards, it like ends and then we end up talking normally for like at least 45 yeah. minutes. Yeah. No, there's so much <laughs> more that goes behind yeah. the scenes. Like we are, we're friends. We love each other. We have, we have constant conversations. We laugh with you. I've never laughed. Some of the people, these are some of the funniest people I've ever met. Like you said, I've, I've been, you know, after we finish, sometimes we talk for two hours, stuff like mm. that. And so, what you see on screen, some of the stuff that might look a bit too like, like, like heated. That's not like we all we all love each other. We're all friends here, and we're all like behind the scenes. We're all just like we're just movie fans. We're just people like like you in the audience. We're we're we just like to interact with each other, and um, behind the scenes, we're 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 we're, we're good people. <laughs> Well, yeah, and it's it's interesting, like, because, like, I've known, you know, Tristan, who's the, my faction leader, I've known him for yeah we're over five years now. We've been, like, mm. close friends. I know, and, like, yeah. We talk, like, multiple times a week or whatever. And it's just, like, it's interesting because, like, we just both have movie blogs, but now, like, we just chat like like he's one of my best friends, you know what I mean? So, I've never so, met him before in person, but that it, it's a really interesting, oh, it's interesting. way. Yeah. So as someone who's known Tristan, because I think you guys have had like the long, like five years is a long time. That's like the longest. It might have been six years, maybe. Yeah. I I met him in 2015. Like six years. I was 13 six years ago. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like, like for you, at least someone who you, you Tristan lit as well, I'm guessing, or maybe not. I don't know. I've known lit for like three years. Okay. But she's in our same group. Yeah. So like, because you guys have already had a pre-existing relationship, 
when you guys came on the league and you were competing with other people and you did you kind of learn more about each other despite the fact that you knew each other for a long time no or... i i know most everything about them honestly we've talked so okay much. got but, it not, like but like i mean i'm sure other people that like of course that we put on our faction or whatever like because like you guys are an amazing duo or trio like you lid and tristan are just amazing and when i see you guys compete obviously you competed against me that is the best show of teamwork i've ever seen when you guys competed in the recent match we done again teamwork even with a guy like james who hasn't known yeah. you guys for as long like you guys are That's just the first time i've ever talked have, to james before but he's still <laughs> yeah i mean you just have a great connection great chemistry yeah. in general and it's just such a valuable kind of uh uh i don't know like like interconnection of relationships to 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 witness on the screen yeah totally yeah and i i, I love that like it, it was interesting because whenever we're coming up with team names and we had like all these ridiculous ones we wanted to pitch to you but then we we're just like oh we're just in this to be like nice so nice the nice guys <laughs> We, were just like, we don't want to like hurt anyone's feelings i don't know this, this kind of seems like fun <laughs> now we're the not so nice guys which is hilarious i love that but you guys are still not oh god am i supposed to say this but you are one of my favorite factions but i shouldn't say this because i'm quote unquote a heel and quote unquote like yeah. you know I'm, I'm i'm not supposed to say that but anyway like <laughs> we'll forget like, about it. <laughs> like a lot of the times when i like like i like i see like I don't know, the cinephiles in paradise or something, or some of the other factions hanging out. I'm like, these guys are, you know, I, I like I. There's one time where I saw the cinephiles in paradise hanging out for a um like a group session. I'm like, oh man, I want to be part of that faction. That looks fun. Yeah. <laughs> but but meanwhile, I have like my own like set, like like behind the scenes. Like I don't know, like those those watch. Like we also just hang out in general, like at at times that we aren't recording episodes. Like sometimes we're playing games. Sometimes we're just like like I call Guy Guy Noel, one of the members. I call him all the time and we just talk. Yeah. So like like it's all like we're just like we're just a group of friends, really. Kind of like the sisters and Hannah and her sisters, you know. Whoa! Great callback. Hey. <laughs> That's that is a very long tangent we went on, but you know what? Yeah, I think, no, I think family and friends. There exactly. We got our Don Toretto thing out there yeah uh, workshopping humanity on fast and furious franchise when is it happening it's gonna happen uh Monday. tomorrow tomorrow yeah i think <laughs> i think i gotta set that up with someone that's gonna that'd be hilarious um yeah there's actually I, this guy i met at sundance who's obsessed with fast and furious and thinks like they're like art house masterpieces no like, like luke reviews is like the biggest yeah. fast and furious fan i know like they're fun movies. I'm not gonna like discredit anyone for liking those. Movies. No, I I recently just saw them for yeah. F9, and I'm like, okay, these aren't like amazing. <laughs> well, amazing is like a high. That's a, that's not even the right word. But anyways, they're not great. But being part of the conversation is fun, and talking to people about them is fun. And I'm not gonna. They're not the same type like a movie like I don't know a green the Green Knight. I might have opinionated stances on for F9 whether you or for like at that fast and furious franchise whether you love it or hate it we can have a conversation about it and it's a thing where i'll understand where you're coming from so yeah and they shoot off in the space like what's there not to like, like yeah like, yeah like some space. like sometimes like we mentioned another hand on her sister's connection sometimes you just like gotta accept like the smaller 
moments in life that might not be as valuable as like 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 the duck soup thing like sometimes you just got to sit back watch a movie like fast and furious and say just take me on a ride like i don't want to think while watching this i just want to like spend two hours watching like a car get stuck to a magnet yeah totally there is like this is a video i've wanted to make for a while someday i'll get to it but i think the art of the stupid movie is something that gets really underappreciated within the film community yeah because they're also like and this is coming from a person who is a fan of the green knight like (laughs) i i i love my pompous art house movies too don't get me wrong i love them but like I can watch something like The Green Knight and enjoy it for what it is. And then I can yeah. sit down and watch F Knight and enjoy it for what it is for a completely it, different reason. It, it is two different things. You know what I mean? I think some people are like, so like they'll watch a big blockbuster movie and they're like, well, that was dumb. And I was like, but like it was enjoyable. It was like, uh, Oh, okay. You know, this is charming. This is fine. And yeah. I, I went home and you know, sometimes it isn't charming. I hated free guy. I, I hate that movie like a yeah, lot, sure. but like sometimes it just doesn't work for me. But sometimes like, I do think that there's some people who will just like, will never ever appreciate a dumb movie like Hobbs and Shaw. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I watched that movie yeah, like, and I smiled and I left and I felt like I got my I, money worth. Was it something that I, I'm going to do a workshop of humanity episode ever on? Probably not, but like, yeah. Yeah. I actually have a lot to say about this, but Number one, like going back to like just not people not appreciating dumb movies. Back when I actually used to have like commenting battles with people on Instagram about movies, the most distinct one I remember is this guy who I, this guy from Europe who told me, who was trying to convince me that movies have to have a message and that movies have to have themes in order for them to be good movies. And so he said like something about like Schindler's List and Saving Private Ryan being the only good Spielberg movies because, you know, the rest of Spielberg's movies don't say anything meaningful. That was just one of the most. (laughs) Yeah. And it's one of the I have never heard anybody say that before. And he said something about like, oh, here in Europe, like we don't get movies like you guys do in America where, you know, it's about having fun in the theater. Like that's not what we go to the movie for. And just I just. That was, it's one of, like I said, it's the Instagram beef that I have the most, like, like that I remember the most. And so one of the things I value about you and one of the things I try to do as a cinephile is try to appreciate all types of film, whether, like you said, like you love indie movies. I try to like indie movies. I try to like blockbusters. You try to like blockbusters. Just try to like, trying to like everything in general. It's not an either or. It's not like, okay, if I have to like indie movies, that means I can't like blockbusters. Exactly. And I feel like, like, and I just feel like there's people on opposite sides of the spectrum, whether, and that's something I appreciate about you. Something I try to, try to, try to, try to adapt is that I just try to be objective in terms of what I'm, my, when I, when I go into a movie, I'm not trying to dislike a movie because of some sort of like, some sort some sort of like persona i'm trying to create for myself as a cinephile and i totally think that's what it is like people like create a certain of uh, aesthetic for themselves and they have to follow through with that certain aesthetic because you'll read some of their reviews and it doesn't make mu- much sense why they wouldn't like it or if they would like something like people give something a three star and rave about it and then give it a four and be like well it had issues you know and you're just like i don't i think you're just making this look cool on your letterbox page um but like for instance like i 
loved, and I mean genuinely loved Godzilla vs. Kong. I thought that was mm. the most fun movie I'd seen in the theater in a while. And I had a lot of uh, some people that were just like, oh, you just bought into like the dumb action. And I was like, yes. Because <laughs> that's what the movie was. And it was like, um, Roger Ebert, who of course I love, um, he always said in his reviews, he always looked at it as, did this movie um, hit the target demo? So... You know, him and Gene Siskel did a review for The Devil's Rejects, which if you've never heard of that movie, that is a really uh, interesting movie, right? I was thinking of Devil's Backbone for a sec. That's not the movie. No, no. Devil's Backbone is the Del Toro. Yeah. Devil's Reject is like a really, really like twisted, like almost exploitative movie, right? And And they both said like, you know, this movie is completely demented and it's gross and we can't like condone it. But at the same time, it's really well made, and the people who like it, obviously, it'll work for them. So we have to give it a thumbs up. And I always thought that was an interesting way to look at it. Mm-hmm. I think if you're looking at it, like my my star ratings on Letterbox are always just going to reflect my own personal opinion. For but, sure, me too. But if I was to go back and change like how it actually hit the target demo, I think it would be much different. You know. Mm-hmm. And so, because I think the majority of movies that are made hit the target demo, which just depends on if I like it or not. So it's it's interesting. Um, yeah, and yeah, I don't. I try to judge every movie objectively. I'm not. I don't try to. I don't know. I just try to judge everything from on a same kind of from a same perspective. Like for example, if I go into Godzilla versus Kong versus if I go into like the newest Wes Anderson movie. I might care about the screenplay. Like I, I try to care about the screenplay the same in both movies, but at the same time in one movie, expectations play a lot into it. I'm a, and I, I don't know. Expectations are just a hard thing to get a grasp of in general. And I don't know. Like I, what I'm saying, I might even contradict myself because some there's some dumb fun movies that I just absolutely love. Like I'm a huge National Treasure fan, of but course. I hated Godzilla <laughs> versus Kong. So yeah. it's like. I don't want to contradict myself because like it's a, it's a weird thing. Cause a lot of dumb fun movie, like dumb action movies. I love some of them. I hate it's like, it's, a, it's, it depends. It's, it's totally a subjective thing. Like anything, me, anything involving giant monsters fighting each other. I'm, I'm into mm-hmm. it, depending on how cool the monsters look and how cool the action looks. I'm like, I, I could care less what they're saying right now. Like I've always told people that I hated Pacific Rim Uprising, and that should just prove to you how bad that movie is. Because it really is <laughs> a lot. Like, you have to do a lot for me not to enjoy a giant monster punch oh, and things. Funny. There was so much to get through in that movie that it yeah. wasn't worth it. Um, everybody has that, like, their own niche. Yeah. Like, that own, like, like the guilty pleasure type thing. Like, for me, it's archaeolo- archaeological, like, action movies. Like, I mentioned National Treasure. Oh, I'm yeah. a big history buff. And I'm a big, like, I love Raiders. That's, like, obviously the peak. <laughs> but yeah. then you have movies like, like, <laughs> Tomb, like Laura Croft Tomb Raider with Angelina Jolie where I'm like, okay, this is pretty cool. Like, I love the history aspect. The um, Not the Goonies. Um, the Mummy with Brendan Fraser. I love the like, Goonies, yeah. <laughs> I love the Goonies, too. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess that's also kind of, like, archaeological. <laughs> what do you call that? Uh, it's fantasy, honestly. Yeah, like, mm. but, like, The Mummy. I love that movie because it's 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 in that niche. It's like one of those things where I'm like, I'll forgive a lot of the aspects of it because it's 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 part of like this small group of movies that I I can uh, I can I can give a pass to. Yeah, totally. I and 
like legitimately you could even say the same way about someone like for me if someone's trying to imitate Wes Anderson, even if they do a pretty good job at it, I'm still going to be like, oh, I enjoyed that because they kind of imitated the style of this director that I like. You know what I mean? Like, it's, yeah. it, it's like those different subgenres of like, oh, I feel like I could have done something like that. Or like if someone's trying to go for a Lynch style and they do it pretty well, I'll be like, yeah, I championed that. I literally made a short film where I was trying yeah. to be David Lynch. I get it, man. Um, and like, as also just like as someone like you said you graduated from um school as a film major i'm a film major right now uh, i don't know if you saw the recent chris duckman video where he talked about how he was directing a new movie totally and he was talking about how he's coming to film from a new perspective as someone who if he doesn't like a movie he's gonna stop shitting on the directors because it's a legitimately hard thing to make a movie and so even if there's a bad movie out there just his perspective as someone who's now directing a movie, the fact that he's now stopping doing that is something that I just find incredibly like, um, I mean, it's, 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 it's hard to imitate. I'm not gonna yeah. lie. Cause there are certain directors where I'm like, Oh God, I hate this. I hate this guy. Yeah. But, but I just, I, I just find stuff like that to be incredibly like persuasive and something I want to try to imitate, yeah. even if I, I might not be successful. I love Stuckman's format. I I have been such a champion of that. I think it's so great. And uh, like I've been following Chris Stuckman's videos since 2012. I believe mm-hmm. he was under 100k when I subscribed to it. Wow, that's yeah, wow. Like, I was very early on Stuckman. And so this like because he's always talked about wanting to be a filmmaker. And so to see him now get something like it was like almost seeing my son grow up. I was just like, goodness. Oh, great. that's cool. Like, yeah. And so like I've never met the man before. I don't know. But like he yeah, has a lot of nostalgic history because I used to watch his videos. And he I mean, like I literally watched like Minority Report for the first time because like he mentioned it on a video or whatever. Like and so like that's awesome. Yeah. And so like to see that happen. But also like I love the fact like because I used to watch a bunch of like youtube critics or whatever and i had to stop watching a lot of them literally whenever i started making my own movies because they would just annoy me because mm. like you you don't know where you're coming from here but you feel like you know the industry really well and i feel like stuckman's one of the only ones that's left that's really transparent about that and so and like i love that his whole idea for his channel is pretty much workshopping humanity now it's like okay, we're going to talk about Hey Arnold and how it connected with my childhood because of yeah. my bringing in the Jehovah's Witness religion mm-hmm. and how I was able to escape in that, you know? And I'm like, that's so cool. And the fact that he's like, he's got like 2 million follow- subscribers now or something like that. He's like, uh, one yeah, of the up there. Films, and he's doing videos like that. I feel like it's very um, glowing for the future of like people making videos i feel like it's going to be less like nitpicky and more like and this isn't me saying that you can't make a bad review for something like obviously that's beneficial but it was always like people who made it personal like like for instance like i hated uh the first suicide squad movie or whatever like the david Mm -hmm. Arrow thing like i it was literally one of my least favorite movies it sucks everyone talked about oh david air sucks david air this david air that and i'm just like some dude who made this movie like just like it's a bad movie but like come on like you don't know exactly yeah. what went down and there. like i guess the elephant in the room would be ryan johnson obviously 
like, oh. filmmaker that gets the most shit for creating what I contend is a good movie. That's 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 outside the realm of what I'm trying to talk about, but oh, for oh, creating a movie. Movie. great movie. Yeah. yeah. So. But like <laughs> but but besides the yeah. besides that, like just because a director made a movie that you don't like. If you don't if I don't like a movie, I go on to another movie. I move on with my day. Yeah. It's not I'm not gonna go online and you know, and obviously that world is so politicized now that you know there are other motivations for why people dislike certain movies totally. and certain directors but and it's just something i've 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 uh I've, I, it, it's frustrating but it's something we have to live with i guess yeah that's the um it's like i think it's different between because i do think we have a community now where you can villainize someone so easily or not only just having a different opinion on you, but especially if they make a movie you don't like, then they become a villain in your head. And I think there's definitely a difference between um, confronting someone for legitimately having a lack of character versus making art that you don't like. And people get the two confused way more often than they should. Mm -hmm. So like, for instance, Ryan Johnson, from what I can see, seems like a stand-up nice guy, at least that hasn't said anything. Yeah. And yet he gets all this crap because it's like, oh, he ruined Star Wars. It's like, if it's your opinion that he ruined Star Wars, oh, cool, that's your opinion. I can't change that. But it's also like, leave the man alone. He made what he wanted to make. It's yeah. a movie. Go on with your day. But for instance, if we get back to it, Woody Allen, <laughs> do you like how I make this loop? I, yeah. I You can critique things that he said, at least, even if you don't agree with all of his accusations. I know that's a whole other mm-hmm. thing. But you can you can dissect things that he has said and then criticize him as a human being. And that's fine. Yeah. Because you know, that's, that's his character. And if that's, so it's, it's a, it's a difference between like attacking someone's character versus attacking someone's film. And if you want to say someone's film is lacking in some sort of quality or content, that's, that's fine. Obviously Uh, we all have to learn some way. I would be the first to critique my own films, but Mm-hmm. it's whenever it becomes personal is when the issue is. And I see some critics become personal with the filmmakers. I definitely saw it with David Ayer's Suicide Squad. You know, he made a letter about it, um, kind of. And it was just like, uh, yeah, there's there's people behind these movies, even if I vehemently yeah. dislike the movie. And this isn't, well, obviously, this is this is not as new as as we initially thought, because, like, I guess this goes back to Fan- when Phantom Menace came out. Oh, yeah, when, totally. I think it's his name's Ahmad. I think it's I, I I forgot I'm I'm forgetting his last name, but he like was had suicidal thoughts after after the Phantom Menace came out because of the bullying mm-hmm. he encountered. So this is not like a new thing. Um and then like if you go back to like fifties, sixties culture during the Red Scare, like guys like Dalton Trumbo who were who were ostracized and all their careers were ended because of their beliefs. It's it's something that's been going on for a long time. It's just I guess now because the world is, is different, it's a lot more close up and it's a lot more like visible. I I honestly think that like it'll be like this and then something new will come up. We'll be like, oh, the world has changed. It's not like it used to be in um twenty twenty. And we'll be like, yeah, like we don't we don't have much of a perspective on things. Like mm-hmm, okay, for sure. Um, like. Let's tie let's tie it back to any to uh, Hannah's sister just a little bit by talking about um, Midnight in Paris. 
something that's so striking about that movie is, you know, Owen Wilson's character is like, oh, I wish I lived in the time of the 40s and the 50s and the, and the golden age, you know? Mm-hmm. And he takes that bus and he goes back there and then they're like, oh man, we lived, we went in the 20s. The 20s were so much yeah. And mm-hmm. we'll always do that because we're creatures who do that. Like everything always looks better in the past because we we rose color everything. And so do you so, think human nature is just complaining is part of our nature? Well, it, yeah, but also like it's it's interesting because like you know we have a we've had a bunch of like the, the COVID virus and all of that and the political divisiveness and all 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 of that has happened recently and so it looks like very chaotic but what people don't even realize is not even 20 years ago the twin towers collapsed like that's that's a horrifying thing but i bet i mean i'm a little older than you so the early the early 2000s is a really innocent time for me because i was a kid then you know i didn't think about the twin towers falling down or whatever but there's people who probably do remember that they'll look back be like oh man remember the 2000s you know there was still significant issues and literally people who were fearing of safety within the borders happening at that specific time you know yeah so it's just like it it, it's always a different issue but it's still always going to be prevalent which is why um, movies provide not only good escapism but good insights on the different perspectives 100 percent. no yeah 100 percent. that's why like i'm just against censorship in general of just movies in general because they're reflections of time period like like all art they're reflections of the times we live in like even movies like the birth of a nation which sadly i've seen (laughs) that those are that's stuff we need to talk about and it's stuff that will that will reveal what because some art is the only source of kind of um of 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 it's kind of Sort their sources of learning and uh, and sometimes you kind of want to put away that textbook and kind of get a visual a more a more definitive example of going back into the past and that's why I think movies can be so and like I, I love old movies because of that reason because not going back to the 1910s and 1920s that's a bit too old for me but if if you've known me for a long time you know that like I love 50s and 60s those are my favorite decades in film. And a lot of it, well, a lot of it is due to the style and a lot of other stuff that I don't want to get into. But a lot of it is also because those are time periods that I just find so, um, so like alien to me and so time periods yeah. that I want to learn about. Totally. Um, oh, a personal favorite of mine is American Graffiti. Cause I just always feel like, uh, you just get lost back to that time period. And I know it was made in the seventies, yeah. but you know, but it's, it's like one of those movies where you're like, this was made in the seventies. And there's something about connecting to an old movie. That's so much different than connecting to a new movie. Yeah. Because it's something where like someone was able to understand you from like 30 to 40 years. So there's something special about that in my opinion. Yeah, totally. So with that being said, Oh, let's do some final thoughts on Hannah and her sisters. <laughs> Ah, uh, what movie? What movie is that again? No, I'm just kidding. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. I li- literally, this happens. Everything. I, I that's kind of like I think this. I always say this. this I think the special thing about the podcast, though, is that mm-hmm. different movies inspire different conversations you wouldn't even realize. Because, like, talking about just movies or anything in general spirals into this, and it spirals into that, and then it spirals into that, and it all somehow kind of interconnects, and it's it's very weird. Because, like, we talk about, like, towards the end of this, 
you connect to different movies that are about a different time period. And that's Hannah and her sisters. Mm-hmm. That's really what we talked about earlier is how this movie came out in like 85 and it still feels incredibly relevant to our lives. Mm-hmm. Which means the human sure. condition really isn't changing that much, which is interesting. <laughs> <laughs> but what are your final thoughts on Hannah and her sisters? Yeah, so Hannah and her sisters just for me is one of those rom-coms that I'll always go back to. One of the films in general I always go back to because of my personal connection to its themes, its characters, its kind of perception on love, on life, on existence, themes like that. That might not seem that might seem like uncomfortable to talk about, but, but this film does it in a way that I love. Characters I love, great acting, great music, um, great direction, all of that. It's available on Stars, I believe. It used to be on Prime, not mm-hmm. available on Prime, but you have if you have Stars, you can watch I it there. I highly suggest Prime. it. Oh, you rented. Okay, that's where I. I actually saw it the first time I saw it was on Vudu, right? But I didn't buy it. It was a free movie, so it had ads in the middle. So that's maybe a reason why I didn't love it the first time I watched it. Interesting. (laughs) Yeah, but anyways, it's available on Stars. I highly, uh, I highly suggest it. Yeah, totally. I also really enjoyed this movie. Again, it's it is a nice snapshot of a different era, and it does have some really like fun funny bits but also relatable bits and while there are some issues i have with how some of the characters resolve ultimately it's totally worth taking like the ride's totally worth taking i think the characters are really well fleshed out and i think it i think this does show what Woody allen was able to do best for sure if you're wanting to like get into his filmography um it's certainly a good place to start so anyways you know, this is going to be interesting because I always say the shout out um, where people can find you, but it's going to be similar for some of these episodes, but uh, where can people find you, Alex? <laughs> so you can find me at the League of Cinephile, the League, or League underscore of underscore Cinephiles on Instagram, and then the League of Cinephiles on YouTube. So make sure to subscribe on YouTube. Follow us if you can for more like sim-related competition updates on the league, updates on our members, stuff like that. And then, like I said, our videos on YouTube. And then, um, yeah, don't follow my personal account. I keep that private. But, yeah, everything else, go follow if you can. Yo, yeah. Have you ever thought about like making a website? That'd be kind of cool. I honestly, when I first started, I was I created a website. I bought it. And then I got my re- money back and I want a refund because I'm like, uh, I just started this and I'm not sure how many people are going to want to go on the internet and check me out. So maybe in the future, just like stuff where I'm like, should I create merch? Do yeah. people care? Maybe. I don't know. I just, um, in the future, I, we'll see. Yeah, I just always end up making merch for my stuff and then being like, someday someone might buy it. You know, <laughs> it's just like a for fun <laughs> thing. Um, yeah. I'll make one for me, you know, if, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is a toy boxed podcast. Um, you can follow the website, toyboxd.com. Once again, like I mentioned earlier, there's going to be some, um, some changes, um, coming within the next week. Um, and it's all positive. It's just more so stuff to keep toy boxed running because, you know, I'm busy. Um, and then sometimes it gets left to the wayside because of work or whatever. So we have multiple people. I mean, it's always been a collaborative effort anyways, but I'm the one who keeps up with it the most because I created it. 
and put my sweat and tears into it. And I'll still be running it primarily, but like there'll be there'll be more help getting content out. So um, that's exciting. Um, yeah, so we're gonna be changing some things up. So make sure to stay tuned for that. Uh, we still have Gold Derby Horses going on. That's George George's biweekly podcast right now because it's like not award season. The most recent episode had Hunter Friesen on it, so you should check that out because he's a he's a league member too. Um, he talked about his experience at Cannes, and it's super interesting. And there's one coming out about Gold Derby and all that stuff. You know, we're we're gearing into the award season pretty soon, so it's gonna it's gonna get heated. You know, it always does. Um, and you know, I've got some reviews out. I think. To, um, while this podcast, this podcast will be out by the time I post this, but I'm going to post my 10 of the year so far. So that'll be cool. Um, so make sure to check all that out. Um, uh, of course, I think I posted a little teaser about this, but there is some interesting news about the film project Walter's Wonderland, which has been done for a while. Um, that I'll announce pretty soon. So, you know, there's a lot of stuff to stay tuned for. It's all kind of up in the air right now. So it's hard to give very specifics but there's cool stuff that's that's gonna happen so just, you know stay tuned for that um i don't know who we'll have on next week but it'll be someone uh someone <laughs> um thanks so much alex for being honest it's been a really interesting conversation thanks for having me this has been a blast yeah this is great oh uh, we'll have to go on again you know we've had we've had for sure ones and talk about different movies and stuff so yeah absolutely and um we'll talk to you all later bye I'll end the broadcast. Sweet. Do you just-